we are not in control of the who, the what, the where, the when, or the why, right? We, we're not in charge of who we're going to go see. We're not going to, we're not in charge of what went wrong. We're not going to be in charge of why they called us, you know, what time we're going to be there. All of the conditional things that will affect how that call is going to go, we're not in control of those things. But the things that I am in control of, while I might not be in control of the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, I am in control of how I'm going to be prepared, the headspace and the mindset the mindset that I'm going to have rolling into the earth. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you today. And we are celebrating episode 55-0. And man, do we have a great guest in store for you today. Tim Kennedy is joining us on the podcast, and we are super excited to talk to him about the concept of finding the quitter within. Brian's on the road today. He's joining us via phone. I don't know why he decided to leave when we had such a great guest coming on, but... Uh, Welcome, Brian. Yeah, I would normally let somebody sub in for me, and uh, you know, just just have a uh, a guest guest uh, host like you did when you were on vacation, but not when Tim Kennedy's calling in. Oh my, telling you, absolutely. Uh, we'll give Tim Kennedy's bio when we get to uh, the interview here in just a minute. But before then, we wanted to kind of break down the subject for you and talk a little bit about that. And with that, we start off with our quote. Be miserable or motivate yourself. Whatever has to be done, it is always your choice. Dr. Wayne Dyer. So what what we were doing with this episode, it was really like, I mean, Tim is, uh, for those who don't know Tim, he's uh, multiple tours uh, in the Army as, as a Ranger and Green Beret sniper, and uh, he's, he's traveled the uh, traveled South America looking for uh, evidence on whether or not Hitler committed suicide in Germany or escaped to Argentina or Chile like so many Nazi war criminals did and he you know he actually had a show on the History Channel about it and a lot of the things he's seen and talked about were were pretty horrific even stuff that happened over there um, after the after the Nazi war criminals went over there and just started setting up, you know, horrible hospitals where they experimented on people and kind of just took all that stuff with them from Nazi Germany. Um, So he's seen between war and between that stuff, he's seen seemingly the the worst humanity has to offer. But if you follow him on anything, and I I do on, on some social media stuff and always have been a fan of the shows he's done and anything I could get my eyes and ears on. He's always joking around. He's always, he always seems to be in a good mood. He's always having fun. Even when he was fighting in the UFC, even when he was beating up, you know, what probably a future hall of famer, Michael Bisbee 
in that match, he, he just seemed like he was enjoying himself and well-spirited. Not everybody loves the guy, and he's uh, a little rough around the edges, but he's a, you know, he's a genuine hero and accomplished fighter in so many different, like, strike force and UFC, among many other platforms. And he, he's, he always seems like he's in a good mood. And I have no doubt when he gets on the phone, he, he will be in a seemingly very positive mood. And you can see Tex walking around in a good or bad mood, you know, around lunchtime, depending on how their first or second call went, instead of kind of carrying their own mood with them. And I'd say the younger you are, the more susceptible you are to this. When I was when I first got into running my own calls, I remember one, one bad first call or problematic client could set the course for my whole day where I was just in a bad mood the rest of the day. Kind of, you work your way through that as you, as you grow and mature. But that is to say it doesn't have to be that way even in the beginning of your career. You, you definitely should figure out how you stay positive, motivated, and on task throughout your day, no matter what you run into, be it at work, running calls, PSRs, talking to people on the phone, or at home. Um, you know, I know uh, at least at least one housewife, Nate's wife, listens to this. Uh, my wife hears about one in every 15 episodes. I know she'll listen to this one, though, because she actually follows Tim Kennedy on Instagram. But if you, if you <laughs> pay attention day, to Tim... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, oh, she's yeah. She downloads every episode. Probably listens to one out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> but if you pay attention to him at all, he, he to me he's seen worse, far worse days than I ever saw as a as a plumbing tech. I mean, my worst days usually involve repiping pecs or Wurzbo lines in attics in Las Vegas in the middle of summer. I mean, the pretty much the worst day I could come up with. If it wasn't repiping an attic in the summer in Las Vegas, it was cleaning out a grease trap at a Denny's or Wendy's or something. It just the, the smell was so terrifying. But by and large, the the worst things I've I've seen didn't even compare to some of the things that Tim has seen. And and I'm thinking we won't go too far into all that just for the sake of. One, we won't have very long with him. And two, we don't want to bum people out too much. But if you if you want to hear some of the stuff he's seen, he's pretty open about it on his on his social media. And I do recommend anybody find him and follow him on social media because he's very he's very motivating, very fun, and very patriotic. And he's you know he's earned the right to at least from the way I see it to kind of be who he is and as bold as he is and say what he says and do what he does. Because the guy has sacrificed as much for, you know, for, for the freedom he believes in and the nation he believes in as, as anybody, anybody living. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, that's a good point, Brian. And along with that, I would also say that he's earned the right to basically live in, you know, sadness and depression as well for his days because of all the things that he's seen and just the, you know, the evil in the world. And perspective is an incredible thing, especially, you know, when you when you think about like, oh man, I'm having a bad day and you realize like, no, 
no, I'm not, not really compared to the stuff that's out there. And that's just always a good um, reality check to bring yourself back to center and say, all right, I can make my way through this. Yeah, he, he, he will post on social media, it seems like every few weeks, somebody he served with or a good friend of his. A lot of times it's a veteran who commits suicide and he, he posts stories about them when, he, when they serve together or, you know, just somebody who dies accidentally or what have you. And he, he seems to deal with this probably more like every couple months, but it, but it feels like it's so often. And exactly what you said, he seems like he's earned the right to live in misery and depression and be sad and gloomy all the time. But that's not how he does it. He talks about how much he appreciates his time spent with that person and celebrates their lives and then moves right along doing the next thing he's doing. Yeah, and that's kind of what we wanted to address in this introduction here is the concept of mental fortitude, meaning like how, how strong is your mind when it comes to dealing with negative situations? How strong is your mind when it comes to overcoming a challenge? How strong is your mind when it comes to bouncing back? I mean, I know one thing that happens in the home services industry is the day is dynamic. I, I mean, I suppose that's in any job, but like when you're dealing with clients, when you're dealing with people in the home and often in their in their worst versions of themselves because they're frustrated at the situation, not necessarily you, although that could be the case, but they're often frustrated at the situation. And so they're not trying to put on a good face. They're not trying to be happy. And then we get to go into their homes and deal with that. And so there's a lot of dynamics in just overcoming the emotional burden that it is to walk into somebody's worst experience and be there to fix it. And they're not always going to be real thrilled about that whole concept especially when you're going in, you know, potentially to fix a problem that the previous tech, your coworker caused in some way, shape or form. And you don't have to be in a truck very long working with a company of more than three techs to experience that where a mistake was made by a fellow technician and you're going in to clean up the mess and the client is on edge, very unhappy about what he or she is dealing with as a result of this. And it's going to be up to you to fix the problem, fix the client, and then hold yourself together. <clears throat> but I imagine in terms of being positive and motivated, at least in Tim Kennedy's um, situation, having having the mission in mind, like there was always, there had to be a goal, a mission that he had to get accomplished. So it was easy to kind of, I wouldn't say easy, but he was able to like push push the sadness or grief or, or just the yeesh factor of what he was seeing and dealing with in the moment aside and move forward in, in the mission and keep the goal front and center. And that is the lesson for all of us is, is the idea that if the goal is what you're focusing on, whatever your goal might be for showing up to work today or this week or this month or this year, keeping that front and center, it makes it a lot easier to just, brush all the things that the negative things that happen to you throughout the day you just brush that aside and say i'm not i don't care i'm not focusing on that i'm focusing on the mission here i have a goal in mind i have to accomplish this goal get it check that box move on to the next goal yeah and I, we just want to take the time to also realize that that's not an easy thing i mean that 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 takes a lot of training in your own mind a lot of uh, reinforcement a lot of self-confidence and knowing who you are and what you're capable of doing and 
a lot of knowing that uh, this is a problem that I need to address and this is a problem that is somebody else's that, you know, I'm just going to let that kind of bounce off of me and they can handle it. You know, a lot of times clients will try to put their problems on you. Like this is your fault. It, it, this is, this whole thing is, is because of you. And so many times that's just not the case. And having the ability and the freedom in your own mind to say, Nope, I'm going to segment that off. They're just saying things because they're in a frustrated situation. That's not really what they mean. They're not really directing those comments at me. They're just upset right now. And then being able to logically proceed with the next steps and addressing some of the call takers and dispatchers out there in our listening audience. You know, I know this happens a lot over the phone. People are often very um, free with their words, shall we say, over the phone uh, because they're not physically standing in front of somebody. And and it's often in the absolute worst of the situation, right? So literally the water just, uh, you know, sprung a leak or the power just went out or they got home from work and the AC isn't working. And so they're right in the midst of that emotion. And what do they do? They pick up the phone and they call a solution provider, uh, but they're still hot, you know, or, the, or there's still water flowing or there's there's still an issue going on. And, and when I say hot, I mean, they're they're literally hot. They're in the... They're in the midst of that frustration. And what are they going to do? They're going to let the person on the other end of the phone have it. And that can be very difficult as a call taker or as a dispatcher to, you know, hear and process through everything that's going there and, and not get personally involved or sucked into all of the emotions that are coming across the telephone. And, you know, I, I know a lot of things that we try to do here is like, hey, you know, after you take a phone call like that, get up, take a walk, you know, just clean your mind a little bit or, or the whole idea of having people around you who can lift you up and say, you know, oh, all right, man, you know, we got your back. We're here for you. I just took one like that too. And that camaraderie is so important. And so for those of you out in the field, like, I think that's also a big thing too, having a place that you can just kind of decompress, having somebody that you can call up and say, man, let me tell you about what just happened and get that off your chest so that you can, you can feel free to progress to the next call, the next problem without having that burden hanging over you. Yeah, it gets so much worse than that, too, for a CSR. I, I know of CSRs who have spoken to a client one afternoon and, hey, we're on our way. Our guy will get you taken care of, all set up. This is no big deal whatsoever. And then that same CSR gets the call the next day when the, the tech did not fix it properly or, or you know, went with the cheapest Band-Aid route and now it's right back to doing that again <clears throat> instead of the big fix or whatever. And that same CSR takes that phone call again. Like you just said yesterday <laughs> that uh, your tech was going to get me all fixed up. And here we are again, no hot water, no, no cooling in the middle of summer, uh, no power in my whole house again. Yeah. And let me tell you, the second time that call comes in is far less pleasant than the first time it comes in because now the domino effect has taken over and, and people are really upset at that point. And so the mental fortitude and the ability to process through those things and be solution driven or, or like you were talking about, Brian, like having something, having the goal set that this is what we're trying to accomplish there is so critical because it helps you in your own mind decide what the next steps are and what your reaction to the current conditions should be. I mean, I, I remember um, you and I, Brian, went to a global leadership summit and Bear Grylls uh, was giving a talk and he talked about his training when he was in special ops. Um, 
in uh, in Europe there, and he was talking about one of the training features was that they had to like you know fully suit up the packs and everything and hike up over this mountain, just like grueling. And, and you know, guys were dropping out left and right, and they get to the top of the mountain and they look down in the valley and they see the trucks that are going to take them back to the base and like, you know, massive relief and just like, I can, I can finally see the end and everything. And as they start walking towards the trucks, the trucks literally drive away. And it, it, it was at that moment that the real test of that entire journey was set before him. And it wasn't a physical one as much as it was an emotional mental one. Did he have the fortitude to continue on? Did he have the ability to process the, the loss of hope, the loss of a solution and be able to push through it and continue on? And he had, he did, and he had to hike the entire way back down what he had just done, uh, back to the base. And I remember him talking about, you know, how they started off with hundreds of people. And at the end, it, it was just like a few guys left, uh, that made through that training. Yeah. And that's, that exact same scenario happens to you as a service tech. Just constantly constantly when you you tell um dispatch shoot them that text like you know I'm 10 10 10 minutes from leaving this call go ahead and call my next call or maybe it's like 4 35 o'clock in the afternoon on a on a nice friday with perfect weather and you text mama you know i'm, I'm on my way home you know start with dinner and let's uh let's round up the kids and go have have fun go do something or let's go out tonight the two of us get all excited on a friday you know you're wrapping up your day and uh get get out get out there and turn the water on and you realize that the problem you showed up for is still happening maybe in a different place or you just replaced part of a sewer line and got everything back together and getting cleaned up and got some water running and homeowner comes walking out saying hey the uh toilet's backing up water's coming up in the bathtub what's going on and you just realize that you added a few hours to your day potentially and and this i mean this has happened a dozen times easily over my career and most plumbers will will agree they they know exactly what i'm talking about and i'm sure it's the same in the electrical and hvac world and even some days where you're just maybe you're just on call and it's 10 30 at night and you're on your way home and you get that call from dispatch like right when you pull up in your driveway or even better was when i got my boots off in the house and you get that call saying you have to go 45 minutes away from your house right now for another emergency and i kept a sticky note in my on my dashboard and i had a series of sticky notes on my dashboard um just little things to remind me of to remind me not not to go negative which is pretty easy for me and it's probably where i'd live if i'm not trying not to so i would actively try not to the one of the sticky notes i always had was game on it's written on whiteboards all around the building everybody who works with us that's listening has heard this a million times for me but game on just i'm gonna go be the superhero i'm gonna go um, do as much as possible i'm gonna go make as much as possible um, I'm going to be this this person's plumber for life because immediately I just think I'm going to drive as fast as I can. I'm going to punch the steering wheel. I'm going to knock that job out as fast as I can. I'm not even going to get to know their name. I'm just in and out, and I'm on my way home, going back home. But I always said if I have to be here anyway, dot, 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 
I'm going to what be somebody's hero, make a customer for life, make as much money as possible, obviously, um, perform at my absolute highest level because I feel like performing at my absolute lowest level. So the game on would say, this is what you feel like doing because you're weak. Well, here's what you're going to do instead. Yeah, I am weak, but I'm going to perform like I'm strong until I actually am strong and perform every call like that. I wouldn't say it ever really got easy, but every time I saw that game on sticky note, as many times I had to replace it because it, you know, like dry out and fall off the dashboard, and I'd just as quick as I could get another one up there and <clears throat> just make myself read it all the time. Just to say, game on. Like by nature, you're you're weak, you're soft, you will take the easiest way out. Um, it's part of the reason that I, you know work out like I do and get up early and cold shower it and on vacation here uh, an hour ago. Uh, shout out to my wife for making me go run with her about, well, about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah, they, they went down to the pool and I called in to talk to Nate. <laughs> but uh, th- these kind of things that I don't, I don't want to do. I mean, I'm 220 pounds and I, I don't run well. I'm uh, more of a lifter. But I don't have any weights here, so I got to do something to keep from getting home and just being soft and weak and fragile. So went on a went on a nice run with mama this morning. Um, but always like always game on trying to figure out how this is what I want to do naturally, but this is the easy way. This is the path of least resistance, which there's there's never growth in the path of least resistance. There's only getting slower and softer and weaker and more depressed. And if you really want to get out of a, a funk mentally, Go do something that is extremely difficult, but get through it. Do it until you've actually finished it. I don't know what that is for anybody. For me, it was running a mile this morning instead of laying on the couch here in this nice uh, cabin with my daughters watching TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But we went around. So whatever that is for you, just go do it. I mean, you want to do something hard? You want to do something against your your grain as a technician? For no particular reason, call up the on-call guy in the coming in a coming weekend and tell him you're going to take it Saturday for him. Do, do you know if you've never been on call, Minnick, and I and I understand, but to to actually make yourself do that to go say I'm going to go make extra money this week, I'm going to take and surprise the on-call guy and take his Saturday, and I'm not going to ask for anything in return. I'm just going to do that to I don't know to do a solid for one of my teammates, but really just to, to beat myself into submission. Cause man, an on-call Saturday, there's just nothing great about it. It's not fun at all, especially in the middle of summer. Yeah. So whether it's, uh, it's, it's taking that challenge or whether it's looking at a current situation that you're dealing with right now, maybe you're headed to a job right now. That's like the third time you've been there this week, or maybe, uh, you know, you know that this is going to be a rough client, uh, just go get it. We're encouraging you to go get it, to push through it and, and to take a look at the loss, you know, the, or the potential loss that is coming your way and be strong and overcome it and figure out ways to make it better. And that's what we want to talk about with Tim Kennedy among some other things. So uh, we are super excited to have him on the show without further ado. Let's bring in Tim.
All right, Tim Kennedy is joining us today. He is a master sergeant with the U.S. Army Green Berets and a special forces sniper with multiple combat deployments throughout the Middle East. He is a former professional mixed martial arts fighter and two-time title challenger, having fought for the largest organizations in the world to include the UFC, Strike Force, IFL, and the WEC. He's been featured on numerous TV shows, including History Channel's show Hunting Hitler, as well as Discovery Channel series Hard to Kill. Kennedy is a serial entrepreneur now owning nearly a dozen companies. He is the village idiot, self-described, holds numerous black belts, including Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the U.S. Army Combatatives. Mostly, he just considers himself unapologetically American. And with that, Tim, we are so happy to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. Great to talk to you, buddy. So, Tim, pleasure, it's a pleasure. Our t- Tim, our show is primarily focused on the home services industry, uh, which we are dealing with clients in their homes and, you know, dealing with plumbing and electrical and HVAC service industries and, and all kinds of problems and things that can go wrong. So we thought it'd be interesting to get your take as a guy who's dealing or has dealt with many difficult situations, very difficult people and uh, just, you know, kind of man up type mentality to get over difficult situations. We want to bring you in and, and just kind of like, ask a bunch of questions to you. I know I've done a whole bunch of hard stuff, like I've just fought in the UFC to walking out to my music and stepping into the octagon. If it's a dude across from me, that's going to try to knock me out or choke me out, jumping out of airplanes and helicopters to go shoot bad dudes in the face. But I have never walked into the house of a woman with five children whose plumbing is broken. They have no water and there's poop and crap in every toilet in the house. Um, so that's a stress I can't even imagine. And, uh, so my hat, my hat is off to everyone that does this, 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 these series of very difficult jobs. Wow. That, that means a lot, man. We really appreciate that. <clears throat> Sorry. And me in particular, as I'm, I, I am a plumber and came from a plumbing truck. Um, but I guess what we'd like to know and, uh, a lot, a lot of difficult situations. Yes. That, that service technicians have to deal with. Um, but I would say as, as one of those service techs that dealt with them, I've heard of some of the situations you've dealt with that to me sounded far more difficult, um, you know, take, taking back a city from ISIS or what have you. I think the approach is the same when it comes to hard stuff, um, you know, in, in, in preparation and discipline and a good regimen where it, kind of regardless of what the modality is, what you're doing you're setting yourself up for success, right? Like if I'm showing up to a work site and I'm hungover, um, I'm kind of pissy because I got in a fight with my boss. I don't have the right tools. I don't have the right equipment. Um, and then I'm going to go and deal with, oh, say, a, uh, into a semi-permissive environment, i.e. a house that is having a catastrophic problem. And you think that you're going to have an easy day? No, you've like set yourself up to fail five different ways before you even step through that door. Um, you know, regardless if you're stepping into a black Hawk to fly, to do a hostage rescue mission, your, your free mission checklist, your PCCs, PCIs, like, do I have all the stuff? Is all my stuff going to work properly? And, I, and am I in the good headspace to go and do this thing correctly? It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're doing the right stuff ahead of time, and that, that ounce of prevention is worth a kind of cure. It makes it makes the job easier. But uh, inversely, you know, you're 
showing up late, um, you're in a pissy mood, you didn't get sleep, you're you party a little too hard the night before, then you're going to walk in and think you're going to have an easy day at work? No, you're, you're going to have a rough day. Yeah, so in dealing with that, I mean, you're talking a lot about mindset, which is something that we do focus on a lot in the in-home services industry, you know, in being in the right mindset and even driving from call to call, because the first call that you go to in the, in the day could be great. And the next call you go to could just be a total bomb. And then you have a third one after that, that you have to recover from. So you have a lot of experience dealing with that types of ups and downs in your emotion. What was kind of your, your tactic or your mentality as how to overcome those wild swings in your day? So if, if you're solution oriented, um, the, the problem really doesn't matter or the, how the degree of the problem. You know, if, if you have a bomb of a mission or a call and, but you did all the things right, like that, that, that onus isn't on you. And do I go to shoot? The, the gun comes out. I press the trigger. I get my good set of alignment, great press control. And I press that trigger to the rear. The moment that round goes off, I can't think about the, the things I did wrong with that prior bullet because I'm already prepping to do the next thing. And if I dwell on mistakes, then moving forward, there I'm never going to be able to recover with with anything if I'm, I'm just focusing on, on the stuff that didn't go right. So you have to have this equal approach of, and, and I do this kind of ongoing, what I call an AAR, an after-action review, where everything that I do is the thing that I did the right thing and I'm going to sustain that thing? Or is the thing that I did the wrong thing and I'm going to change what I did to make it be better? So the wrongs I fix, the rights I sustain, and then as the day continues or the cumulative number of things that I do, it continues to trend better because I keep getting better the more things that I do. Yeah, now you've seen active combat service and plenty of other incredibly dangerous um, you know, things that you have done and, and activities you've participated in that AAR system that you implement, you know, can you give us an example of like a time in your life or, or your career when you've actually put that into practice and you've seen tangible results come from it? A, a real easy one is I'm fighting Michael Bisbee main event for the UFC and my coaches in between rounds two and three, they say, here's what you did right. Keep doing that. Here's what you did wrong. Don't do that. That is like a super over, oversimplification of in between fight rounds in the UFC. That is an AAR in practice. Similarly, when I go overseas and I go and do this big mission and we sit down afterwards and we break down every single phase of the operation from the to our prepping to go, our infill, our actions on the objection. And then our exfil, and then our kind of post mission procedures. We go through every single one of those phases, and we talk about the things that we did right and the things that we did wrong, and how they infect and how they affected things later on in the mission, positively or negatively. So you can get as complex. I mean, we have these massive documents that have all of the different criteria that we're going to grade during a mission. But it doesn't have to be like that. I can just, just like in between a round and a fight, I can take a second and I can think about what do I need to do to change? 
even if I'm getting my butt kicked, what do I need to do to do better and change the trend towards the positive? And that's something, you know, that's something that I think really resonates even in dealing with clients because it's a dynamic situation, just like, and I'm not trying to equate the two, but warfare or UFC or, or any of the things that you've done there where you're not sure what your opponent is going to do. You have to react live in the moment. And so that's what makes in-home services difficult because you're dealing with a different client over and over again. And yet there are still patterns and there are still, you know, personality traits that often tend to follow people along the way. And so you can kind of read those a little bit and create a better outcome. Yeah, so like, that's a great point. We are not in control of the who, the what, the where, the when, or the why, right? We, we're not in charge of who we're going to go see. We're not, gonna, we're not in charge of what went wrong. We're not going to be in charge of why they called us, you know, what time we're going to be there. All of the conditional things that will affect how that call is going to go, we're not in control of those things. But the things that I am in control of, while I might not be in control of the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, I am in control of how I'm going to be prepared. Like the, the headspace and the mind, the mindset that I'm going to have rolling into the equipment that I'm going to have on my truck. Um, all of those things, like if I'm going to roll into the valley of, of, of Afghanistan and, you know, I have two drums of ammo for my entire gun truck, I'm probably going to get messed up, right? But when I went into the valleys of Afghanistan, I had like backpacks preloaded of grenades, backpacks, all magazines jammed at the top, you know, 25 drums of ammo for every open bolt belt fed machine gun. I had laid on F-15s, I had laid on A-10s, I had laid on helicopters, I had AC-130 gunships just hanging out in orbit, you know, I had drones flying over, I was like, bitch, please, come and get in a world, because I'm going to bury every single one of you guys in this valley. But that was the preparation of me going to that valley, was I was set. I don't get to pick when they're going to do the fight. I don't going to pick how many of them they're going to be. I'm not going to, I don't get to pick any of that stuff, but I'm going to mess their day up. You know, they send all they want. They just know that I've got, they're going to get them all dead when they get back. Yeah. So that type of like, just go getter mentality. I mean, where did that come from? You do is, is that inherent? Like you were born with that or did you train yourself into that? that is, it's probably a little bit of everything. Um, so I'm a second born. I got like an Olympic level athlete of a father that was a narcotics officer my brother is a bomb tech and he is this giant of a human and all of his friends were giant of humans and then there was like the hairy handed ogreish troll looking idiot of the second born that um <laughs> you know all the coaches would look at me and be like mike who's my dad are you sure that one's yours um <laughs> you know i'm I'm a half a foot shorter than everyone else in my family. And, um, you know, and, and nothing was easy. So I had to fight like a pit bull. Um, I, I mean, to, to survive as an 80s child with an older brother uh, and, you know, kind of living in the country. Everybody has different stories growing up. I was fighting Mexicans while I was out fixing barbed wire when I was 10. Like, that's just how it was when you worked on farms in California. Um, you're one of two white kids and there's 25 Mexicans and, um, we barely spoke the language. We're all fixing Bob wire and they fixed it way better than me. But, uh, you know, off we go here. Here comes the next fight. Yeah. 
So it, it sounds like it was both a little bit of born into your genetics, but also a product of your environment, meaning like you, you developed your way into that. Now, the contrast to that is, you know, people who who haven't grown up in that type of environment. And I'm sure you've come across plenty of them in your trainings and or, you know, other environments you've worked in. What would you say to like those people who are they just struggle to have that type of killer mindset or that type of like pit bull mentality? How, how do you motivate them and get them going? Well, I got two options here. One. Don't re- reproduce because I don't want to deal with your weak ass genetics <laughs> in the next generation. <laughs> Two is go and do hard shit. Like th- that's it. Um, you want to be hard? You got to go do hard stuff. You're like you want to be tough? You got to go do tough stuff. So like I think I'm kind of a badass, but every single day I go out and try to do even harder stuff. I find the fastest athletes for me to go train with, like the best grapplers, the best boxers. When I'm going to the range. I'm not trying to shoot with some slow, fat NRA pistol shooter. I go and find the hungriest, youngest three-gun guy that thinks he's the fastest in the world, and then I break his ego, and I take the pride, and I shove it down his throat. <laughs> but I still go and try and find the best and fastest version of everything that I'm doing. Um, like, go do hard stuff. Yeah, I was listening to you on a podcast on uh, Rogan uh, from a couple years ago, and you were kind of stating the same stuff about uh, doing hard things. Stop being so easy on yourself. And you mentioned a game that you've played in the past called Find the Quitter. Can you can you talk about that? Uh, yeah. So uh, um, I'll go back to the origin of that. When I was first started wrestling, I was my kind of like first match. My dad is next to the mat, um, and I get pinned in this match. I I probably couldn't have beaten this larger, older, more experienced wrestler, but I definitely didn't give it my best go. Um, I looked at this older athlete, this bigger athlete, this stronger athlete, this more experienced athlete, and I quit before I even stepped onto the mat. I remember the look of shame and embarrassment and humiliation on my dad's face, and like that just seared my soul of – it was, it, was, it was a glance. I have the most amazing, loving father. But like he knew I was better than what I just did. And from that moment on, I was like, there, there's a bitch inside of me. And that quitter is going to rise up every single time I go and do something. And I'm either going to let it win or I'm not. So what I've done is I try and find something every single day where that quitter is going to show up. And there are periods of my life where I would actually name that quitter, which was like my baby's mama, maybe for a little while, um, you know, when I was having to pay child support for a long time. And, um, you know, or it was like my team sergeant that I totally hated or my boss at work. I would name my quitter this person that I just loathe. So I love to beat this quitter because its little ugly face would rise up and should throw her, her blonde hair back and should look at me and like, Hey, wouldn't it be fine? I'm like, shut up. And now go. You know, like it, it was just, a, it all happened in my head, but it was just pure, unadulterated violence towards this quitter. But you only get to do that when you do something hard enough where that quitter will show up. Okay. So when you say you play a game, like, did you actually play a game or is that all in your head? No, it's all, it's, it's all, I mean, is a game that's in your head still not a game? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, everything's mental and the, uh, I love, I do a lot of games that, that, uh, that nobody else knows I'm playing. Um, 
So I'm going to shooting range right now. I hope you guys don't air this podcast super fast. Uh, <laughs> there'll be a bunch of shooters that are going to be on the line. And I'm going to tell them that we're going to be doing this certain course of fire. And I'm going to be holding a pro timer. And that pro timer like gives a beep. And that's the indicator that you're supposed to start doing that movement. Um, but they're going as fast as they can because I'm standing next to them. And because I have a pro timer on, I'm not racing the pro timer. I'm racing the guy with the gun. So I stand up next to them and I hit the pro timer and I wait for them to do the first pre-assault indicator. So the first thing that they do that lets me know that they're about to draw their weapon. And I try to get, I try to beat them. So they essentially like think about a wild, wild west. And like a tumbleweed goes across the road. And I'm standing against in front of somebody and we're about to race in a gunfight. So I'm, I do this with every single person on the line in every single one of the drills. They don't know that I'm racing them. They're just trying to do the best because I'm standing next to them. And that's all happening in my head. They don't know I'm racing them. I know that I'm racing them. And, you know, like I am walking up to somebody that I know is fast, maybe even has a faster draw than me. Walking up to that in my head are all of those games to include that quitter. Like, man, I don't know if I can beat this guy. Am I going to be able to, am I going to be able to win? Those are, those are all the things that happen in my head. Like that visual visualization of a football player thinking about crossing that, the end zone and getting that touchdown. It's, if you don't think about it happening and then making it happen, then how are you ever going to win? Uh, I visualize that quitter and I murder that quitter. Yeah. Wow. That, that's something that uh, I, I think has so many applications just in life in general, really. It, it's the ability to overcome. And, and you said that look from your father of just like knowing that there was so much more in you and really trying to call that out of you is what drove you to be impassioned about finding that quitter and basically killing it. Doing that same thing to yourself now. I mean, it makes everything else easier. If you, if you by choice voluntarily do the hardest thing that you can do to yourself, what environmentally can someone else do to you that's worse than what you can do to yourself? Everything else, like this, I laugh at the day where they're like, oh, this is going to be so hard. You know, it's like, it's 102. It's kind of humid here. We're going to be doing the stress test in this afternoon. And I already got up at five, put on my body armor and did a five mile run just for the hell of it. And I'm looking at them complaining about what's going to be like a 15 minutes of work. And I was like, man, I ran five miles with 45 pound body armor on today at a pace of, you know, an 830. So please tell me more. This is all happening in my head. But there's nothing that they can do that's going to break me because the things that are going to break me, I already did to myself. So you can just step off, man. You, you can quit because you don't got a chance. You can't break a rock. Yeah, that, that mental fortitude is just so needed in today's world. And one more thing I wanted to ask you about here is is you said in a, in an earlier podcast about don't be scared of regret or, or sorry, be scared of regret. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, so there's nothing wrong with failure. Failure happens. Anybody that's good at anything, anybody that has the ball to step up and try and do something, that um, you're going to fail eventually. You're going to um, make mistakes. And I will even say there's nothing wrong with you rushing to failure. You trying so hard. It's like the same adages of the, you know, the metaphors of how many times did M Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson miss that three-point shot on the buzzer? A ton. But they're the greatest ever. How many times did Babe Ruth strike out? A ton. But they're the greatest ever. You know, how many times did Mike Tyson 
um, missed a punch that he was trying to knock somebody out with a ton. But ultimately, they were able to go and be the greatest ever, and they were able to do it because they weren't afraid of that failure. But what they were afraid of was a life of regret, looking at something and being like, man, I wish I would have tried harder. Man, I wish I would have just done this a little bit better. Oh, had I only. That stuff will drive you mad. So that stuff, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stack into a pile, drown it with diesel, set it on fire because I'm not going to abide any of that in my life. I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I'm fine with failure. I don't want a moment of regret. Yeah, and even at a more micro, you know, not a superstar athlete level, what, what would have happened if the first time you rolled as a white belt, you said, I lost and I'm done? Yeah, exactly. Or as a father. You know, like, you, mm. man, I, I could, I could have handled that. I could have handled that better. Yes, I'm just done being a good dad. All right, great plan. You know, like every, this, that mentality goes into every single thing that you do. And I mean, you, you, you quit now. You could be a quitter for life. Um, but there's nothing wrong with failing. You fail now. You're not a failure for life. You're just a failure if you continue to fail. So then, what are the things that you're going to do to improve? You know, those ARs, those mental preparations, all the hard work that you're going to do leading up to that thing. So then when you step back into that batter's box, you're just smiling because you know you're going to nail this thing and laugh at it and, and enjoy your after party with the 50 girls surrounding you as the pitcher goes home as a loser. <laughs> so I have a question and then we have two listener questions, if you don't mind. Uh, I know you're, you're, uh, you've got a hard out here coming up, so I want to make this fast. My question personally is you, you emailed me uh, at about 8.45 Sunday evening Eastern time, uh, 7.45 your time, that uh, you'd, be, you'd be coming on the show and asked if you could get some free HVAC work done as a result. To which I said, I'll fly right out, my friend. <laughs> um, I wanted to know what you were doing when you sent that email. Um, I just lit some candles. The lady was uh, taking a shower. We'd already put the baby to bed, and I was prepping the romantic atmosphere of the Sunday evening. Um, but, you know, she's washing her hair. That takes 20 minutes. And then she, like, goes in and moisturizes, and that takes, like, so, you know, when she goes to the bathroom, I know I pretty much have 40 minutes to get a bunch of work done prepping for Monday morning. So, I mean, this is, like, all the stuff that we're talking about. I don't want to wake up Monday morning, and all the emails that piled on from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I open up on Monday morning, and I'm like, two hours behind the schedule instead i'm already doing triage i'm getting rid of the crap i'm lining up i need to know which ones i need to get to immediately and you're kind of you had a short suspense saying hey can we do this next week i was like uh yeah sure awesome let's do it i appreciate you answering and i was picturing you holding a nazi war criminal off a third story balcony <laughs> but that that was second best thing that you could have been doing so n- yeah. number two I, Matt- I maybe have done them at the same time <laughs> <laughs> I would I would firmly believe that. Matt Beto from the Extreme Ownership Facebook group asked, what's one skill you don't have that you would like to have? So this goes to the, like the post-apocalyptic wish list of mine where I know I have in the asset liability category in an apocalyptic world, I'm bringing a ton of assets that would make me a value, very valuable person and pretty much control all of North America. But there are some <laughs> things that I wish I could do better like crochet or knit or I could um, brew beer, um, make a distillery, uh, 
those, those would be very valuable things in an apocalypse. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not very good at like the, the homemaker type activities. I could cook, but you know, nice. I wish I could make a sweater. <laughs> that could be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't yeah end up being helpful. Um, and last but not least, I wish least, I could do plumbing. There no, you go. I mean, there we go. You got me, buddy. So let's, had, let's link up. You're not, you're not going to need that right. in a post-apocalyptic yeah. world. I, I need all the <laughs> other stuff you can do. I'll handle the plumbing. No, plumbing, electrical, I think were like, those are the most valuable skills in an apocalyptic world. And um, during the snow apocalypse here in Texas, um, the whole entire industry in Texas, in, in plumbing and specifically, is not get stuff too hot so you know our um waterless tanks our waterless tankless tankless water heaters yeah. all the yeah all those exposed pipes with the intent of you know because that thing generates heat and you want to off heat get all that heat off as easily as you can well that that sounds like an like somebody from minnesota or illinois they're like i'm sorry did you say that your pipes are on the outside of your building? Like, yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. Cause it gets 110 degrees here for like 90 days straight. So the most important thing is my stuff, not overheating. Uh, when the apocalypse happened here in Texas, which was five days of snow, um, it was, uh, my plumbing skills were put to the test. I had <laughs> my lawn pipes bust. I had my pipes to my, my, the filter to my pool bus. I had my outdoor kitchen pipe, my copper pipe, those busted. Um, I was sitting out there with a blow dryer trying to defrost my storage tank. My pipes going into my pressure tank to push to my house because I'm on a well. You guys would have been so embarrassed to even be talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, sure. Brennan Mackamer asked, if you have either a found Hitler's body yet or B found the evidence to know for sure that he did not die in Germany by suicide. Man, we're bringing up <laughs> Here, here's, here's a, here's a failure example. So that show hunting Hitler, we had a fourth season and that fourth season had some truly historical groundbreaking stuff. Oh. Uh, we are going to go into North Africa in the Middle East where the Mujahideen was founded by Nazis. We were going to go to Israel to the people that went and hunted a whole bunch of the Nazis that escaped. We were going to go to, um, I can't say where, but one of the relatives of Adolf Hitler still lives and lives in the United States. So we we're going to take their uh, DNA and compare it to the DNA that we have from Russia and uh, at least be able to prove that that is not Hitler. And um, because of the implications that are kind of relevant in current day, with, you know, people are using white supremacy pretty easy and Nazi pretty easy these days, History Channel, they will regret it. And I said you should never live with regret, but they will regret not giving us that fourth season because it would have been insanity. Oh man. So was this, was this season filmed at all or just script, uh, like written? Uh, so it, it, it's an unscripted show. We were literally doing the, the research kind of as the show progressed, but before we go and film an episode, 
um, we would do all of like the pre-episodic, like all the stuff we're talking about, all the preparation leading up to that episode. So, uh, you know, by the time I go and ask somebody what they saw, I should already know what they saw. Yeah. Awesome, Tim. It's been an honor to have you on the show here, man. Uh, I did want to ask if, if people want to learn more about you or find out more about you, where's the best place for that? Tim Kennedy MMA. That's uh, Instagram. Uh, my website, TimKennedyMMA.com. Facebook, Tim Kennedy MMA. Twitter, Tim Kennedy MMA. Uh, and my company, Sheepdog Response. Um, that's pretty much where I hang out most of the time. And uh, if anybody here in Texas wants to do like a service exchange where like, you come give me some HVAC work, you know, come to my courses for free. Neither of us pay taxes. Everybody's happy. Open invitation. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, I'm moving to Texas. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Come on. I'll get. I'll get you the ammo. You just. You just show up. All right, man. Wrap us up here and just tell us what. What is your advice for the next generation? We'll call it done. My advice for the next generation is to reject comfort. Um. If it is easy, don't do it. If it is quick, don't do it. If everyone else is doing it and they're doing it effortlessly, don't do it. Find hard stuff. Take pride in doing things that no one else can do and do that stuff. Everything else is going to be easy. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much, Tim. It's been awesome to have you on here. We definitely appreciate all, all your just relentless service to this nation and your tours and, and all the training you still do for military and police officers. Um, your sheepdog response company is just amazing. And we thank you for everything you do, man. No, I, I appreciate your kind words and thank you for what you guys do. You don't, it, 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 I, I think one of the most important jobs that nobody, I don't know why nobody's going into like they should. Um, I know I'll play these plumbers that come out here make like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year doing plumbing and HVAC because it's, it's such a fine skill that nobody has. Um, you know, so like plumbing, it's hard. Do it. That's right. Thanks, man. Thanks. God bless you, Tim. Yeah. Yes, sir. Wow. All I got to say is, man, I hope you enjoyed that. Episode 50 did not disappoint. We were super privileged to have Tim on the show with us, and we're really appreciative of him, not only for his service to our country, but also taking some time out to just kind of give us a, that boost, you might say, and take us to the next level. As for that, uh, in this podcast, we're wrapping it up, and we hope that this is taking you to the next level, that you are listening to this, and it is giving you encouragement, it's challenging you, and it is, it's making a difference. And so we hope that that is the case, and we encourage you to do hard things, to make tough decisions, to reject that comfort, and to keep pushing forward into new and better you. And like we always do every week, we challenge you to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day.